on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram is also at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. It's episode 152 here, Tuesday night, 8 o'clock Pacific Standard. Hard Knocks just premiered. Haven't seen it yet. I'm excited, though, to watch it after this. Uh, so yeah. that's cool, man, for my Jets. But we got some A's talk. Speaking of the of the favorite teams, man, three big, big things about the ace future and a contender tier list for the MLB. Tell us about that one, Kyle. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. We got five different tiers, uh, maybe six if you include like a not listed category. But we'll get into those later. That's a little teaser for that. But a little, oh, yeah. uh, what do you call us? TNP Tuesday night podcast. Yeah. Uh, I guess this could be considered our prime time. Uh, so uh, a little late episode for me and Skylar, but we're getting it done. Long day uh, probably going to be a quicker episode too. So uh, I don't expect this to be like a 58 minute episode or anything like that. But if you're listening, you obviously already know how long this episode is going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, get into the opener though. I'm starting off with uh, Bob Nightingale being an idiot. Uh, he has a nickname on Twitter. It is Boob Nightingale because uh, he's known for always being wrong. Uh, and he, he struck a couple times in the, these past few weeks, one of them being the trade deadline uh, where the Mets apparently got Logan Gilbert instead of Drew Gilbert back in the trade from the Astros. And that tweet is still up, by the way. He never corrected it or anything. Uh, and then just today... Uh, there was Eduardo Perez, the guy who works on ESPN and does Sunday Night Baseball sometimes. He was saying that uh, Ronnie Mauricio, top prospect for the Mets, is going to be switching from the outfield to the infield or vice versa. I forget exactly what, what the tweet said. Uh, and Bob Nightingale retweeted it, quote retweeted it, and said, looks like looks like Ronnie Mauricio is coming up to the big leagues. They're promoting their, their top prospect. Oh, when in the tweet – from Perez, it said nothing about him being promoted or anything like that, and he hasn't been promoted. Uh, so I don't even know where he got that information from. But Bob Nightingale, little too old for Twitter type guy. I don't know how he's getting paid to cover the sport. Known Bob Nightingale hater right here. So uh, yeah, yeah, he fucking sucks. Well, great That's job getting your name out there, Bob. Boop. The best thing I saw, it, it comes in a pair here. The A's got a pair of wins at home against their rivals, the San Francisco Giants this weekend. So many great moments in this game. Personally, uh, for me, it was that inning where SD got hit in the helmet and they called it a foul ball. Uh, but, you know, you could you could pick any of them. You know, Trevor May with the crazy save. We got Seth Brown coming through in the clutch. We got Nick Allen homering twice. Just a, a great weekend to be an A's fan. We don't get very many of those, so... Cool, yeah, and also shout out on Hell Felipe for striking out the side, yeah, in uh, that Sunday game. I know he gave up a run on Saturday, but he made up for it in that electric eighth inning that he had against the Giants on Sunday, and that leads us right into a segment that we are doing because we haven't talked about the A's much this year. And I know it's been a year where we probably don't want to talk about the A's much because it's been a rough year, but they're our favorite team, we're the experts, so we got to. We got to show them some due diligence every now and then. So we're talking about a couple things today. Uh, and the first of which is the most premier pr- position in all of baseball. That's a shortstop spot. Uh, and we are kind of talking about the future for the, that spot with uh, 
kind of being unsure and maybe some controversy within our friend group of who should be the shortstop of the future is Nick Allen actually just got a hit maybe 10 seconds ago. So right on cue for yeah. that. Nick Allen's the first guy uh, option for this list, Skyler. I know you're a big fan of Nick Allen. Who do you think should be the A shortstop here in the future, in the near future, and maybe yeah. even if you want to incorporate that into the long future as well? So the idea is that th- by this time next year, Daryl Hernandez is fully ready to go up in the bigs. But I imagine it'll be some kind of combination of him, Nick Allen, and the random utility guy that you try to flip, like a, another Jace Peterson. I feel like that the A's are always in, in the market for that kind of guy. And that guy will get some run at shortstop. Hopefully, Max Muncy's in that rotation at some point, too. Uh, he's been playing short every day in Midland since Daryl got promoted. Uh, so that's a good sign. But it's Daryl. That that's the main focus here. I feel like Nick Allen's a guy who can stick around, but uh, we're just waiting for Daryl Hernandez, man. Yeah, I'm a huge Daryl fan. I'll I'll get into him for a minute, but I'll, I'm gonna look at the three guys who have played in the big leagues this year. First off, uh, and that's Nick Allen, the first guy who's been playing shortstop every day for days for about a week or so, maybe a bit longer with uh, some of the other stuff going on. But he's only 24 years old. As of right now, I mean, he's had a couple of really good games recently, but he's got a point one more, so he's above replacement level, and that's partially or mainly due to his four defensive runs saved uh, at shortstop so far this year. Only played in 61 games, so it's not like it's you know been the entire year or anything like that. Biggest thing with Nick Allen, of course, is the slug. He's not going to be a guy who hits a ton of homers uh, besides Sunday. Uh, we're going to be mentioning that game for a long time, I feel like, with Nick yeah. Allen, but... uh He's been decent this year. I know Brett, former member of the podcast, is not a huge Nick Allen fan and wants him to be off the franchise completely, but he plays great defense, above average defense, and as of right now has been an above average player, above replacement level player in the MLB. That's exactly right there. Above replacement. Don't replace him yet. Yeah, well, eventually we will need to if he doesn't progress as he just stole a base. I mean, Nick Allen plus one stolen base right there. Uh, but we'll get into the next guy who's been playing shortstop a little bit this year. That's Kevin Smith. Alex I don't even want to mention him. Absolutely love this dude. I am not a Kevin Smith guy. Yeah. He's 26 years old, so he's not, you know, relatively – or he's decently young, I guess, but he's not like some 24 or 23-year-old guy. He has four homers this year, so a bit more power than Nick Allen in less games. But 33K percent is abysmal as well as his 2.9 walk rate. So he's not walking, he's chasing a lot, uh, and he's swinging and missing a lot. And at shortstop, he's got a negative 2 DRS. And I think, uh, I know I've been mentioning that a lot in these past few episodes of defensive run saved and whatnot, but at shortstop, you really got to pay attention to that stuff because it means a ton. And uh, mm-hmm. Kevin Smith's his, his true position isn't even shortstop. It, it's third base. That's what he came up as as a minor leaguer, and that's what he played last year for the A's. And he was a really good third baseman, having five defensive runs saved for the A's at third base in 2022. But he hasn't had that chance this year with Jace Peterson being there. Now he's gone, of course. But uh seems like we're trying to use Jordan Diaz a little bit more at third base. The other guy who's played th- shortstop a little bit this year is a lead miss Diaz and he needs to never play shortstop ever again in his <laughs> life. He's got a negative 0.9 war this year. So he's been terrible on that side. He's 32 years old and this is the best part or the worst part. Uh, however you want to look at it. He's got a negative nine defensive run saved at shortstop in this year alone. So he's been terrible. Uh, and I guess this is also the worst part. He's not a free agent until 2025. He's going to be getting paid next year. 
Seven million, I believe, is is what he's going to get next year. So hopefully the A's find a way to get rid of him or do something with him where he doesn't have to play that position and somehow finds a way to hit. But Aledmus Diaz, please do not be the shortstop for the future of the A's. Another guy uh, who hasn't played in the big leagues, that hasn't made his big leagues debut, but was a first-round pick a few years ago or probably four years ago now at this point, is Logan Davidson. Uh, and at this point, he's transferred to be more of a first baseman. He's only played three games at shortstop in 2023. He's been hitting well in AAA. Should probably be making his big league debut at some point before the season's over. I don't really see him making any impact at shortstop in the future. Uh, and then the next up is Daryl Hernandez. Uh, you, you know I absolutely love this guy. He's mm-hmm. played 82 games at shortstop this year, uh, spanning over AA and AAA. He's only played 21 games in AAA, but he's only 21 years old. So very, very young there. I believe he turns 22 after the season. So he's going to be, you know, 22 all next year as well. Uh, he walks more than strikeouts. Uh, when you look at his AAA numbers, even his, his walk rate, strikeout rate, were good stuff in AA. Uh, and he's got a 135 WRC plus. I would look at w- or defensive run save, but that's not a site you can look at in AAA. Uh, I'm a huge Daryl guy, makes a ton of hard contact, doesn't strike out much. I think he should probably be the shortstop next year. The only thing is, is I don't think he projects as well as a shortstop in the long-term future. Yeah. I think he's a little bit undersized for the position. I you think, think that's where Muncy comes in? Like in he's going to eventually play second base. I think Galoff moves third. And I think Jacob Wilson is a shortstop of the future. Uh, Max Muncy is not a prospect that I've been in love with this year. He has lost his ability to hit for pop, and he's not really doing enough uh, with the bat besides that right now to really make up for that. But Jacob Wilson, I know as of right now, if you look at his exact stats, he's hitting like 235, whatever. He's going to be a guy who, if he puts on muscle at all, he's going to be a guy who can hit 315 homers in the big leagues and play big league level shortstop. That's something that the A's would absolutely love to have. Uh, Hopefully he puts on even more strength and has a better ability to hit the ball at the ballpark. But as of right now, I think this guy's going to be the guy uh, probably as soon as 2025, maybe somewhere in that season later on, but he he's going to be bigly more big league ready than most of the guys in the class uh, of the draft. So I say Nick Allen for the rest of this year. Nick Allen and a bit of her knives next year and hopefully rotating that into Jacob Wilson in the year after that. Let's move on to Soderstrom. Hernandez. Yeah. And I guess that's another option as well, too. We could sign a utility guy to bridge a gap for a year if they don't want to play her knives at short, whatever's going on. Uh, but let's move into Soderstrom. He's been off to a slow start. Uh, coming into today, he's only had 59 plate appearances. I know he's had a couple more today, but we won't include those. He's been walking more than he has in, in the minors at 11.9%, but also striking out 32.2%. His slug is something that you want to be amazed with because that's what he was great in the minor leagues, uh, and he's only slugging 231. Is this something that concerns you, Skyler, or is this something that maybe we should just ease off because he is only 21 years old? I'm not worried. We we all knew the risks here with Soderstrom. Like you said, he's only 21, and he strikes out a lot. That That's not fixed overnight. The power's going to come, and we've seen it over the years You know, with, with the prospects. Most of the power hitters take extra time to get things going, other than 
you know, say in the last six years, Vlad Jr. and Pete Alonso, really. I, I wanted to look at some other prospects, too, who are now big leaguers. Other left-handed bats ranked similarly on the pipeline who were in AAA and ranked 30th or higher. In 2018, some of those players were Austin Meadows, Alex Verdugo, and Ryan McMahon. All guys with slower starts, but with great power. And then 2014, too, even better. Corey Seager is kind of in his own category, but still, Jock Peterson and Joey Gallo, they eventually figured it out. So we've seen the story before. Let's give them some time. Yeah. Uh, it concerns me a little bit just because sometimes I feel like he's pressing a little bit. And I think when you look at when he gets the two strikes, he kind of, I don't know about concedes the at-bat, but he doesn't look comfortable in the box. And that's something that's got to be you got to be able to be comfortable in the box if you're going to play at the big league level. And I feel like he'll not miss a pitch, but sometimes he'll foul a pitch off a one Oh, Oh, whatever it is. And he'd be like, shit, that was my pitch. I was got to hit. And now the at bats completely conceded. And I think he eventually, I, I, I've obviously the coaches are probably mentioning this to him as well too, but he, this should be something he works on, works on in the off season and in spring training and in the rest of the season as well too. Cause the difference between triple a and, and big leagues is in triple a, you're still going to see guys with good fastballs and most of the time be able to locate it. But having that second and third pitch that really get guys out is what makes a big league so hard to do. And when you're 21 years old, you came out of high school, you went to single a high a, double A and triple A, you're really not seeing those guys who can really, really pitch unless you're on that rare occasion uh, of going against the top prospects. So I think the slow start for a young, young guy like Soderstrom isn't super concerning, but I just don't want to see his morale get down to the point where say if he does get sent down or does go into the off season and is having a really bad year to the point where he's, he second guesses himself and like says, Torkelson. Hey, maybe, maybe I'm not that guy. Uh, Torkelson hope, I mean, he's slowly gotten it together. I think he's been hurt recently, so I haven't mm. really seen him be doing much, but, uh, yeah, hopefully he gets it together. Cause, uh, we know that he would be a big part of this, this next wave uh, of Oakland baseball. Speaking of the next wave of Oakland baseball, every good team has to have a good three hitter, uh, unless you're the Miami Marlins, but I guess they're really not that good. Uh, but who is your three hitter of the future, Skyler? Is it Zach Galoff? Is it Lawrence Butler? Who do you think? Well, we just talked about Soderstrom. Obviously, that that is the goal for your number one prospect. But really, Zach Galoff's the only one that's shown any flash of being able to be a major league three hitter. Uh, other than that, I'm not really convinced that that guy we're looking for is in the organization yet. Uh, how about Jack Caglione or Tommy White? You know, I'm not convinced that we're going to draft a pitcher in the first round. That would instantly be the best hitter in our organization. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few guys that come to mind for me. Uh, and when I look at my model for this, I look at something like Texas Rangers lineup where their their really best hitters are hitting one and two. And I, I've always been a huge fan of that philosophy. The number one guy's got to have speed and get on. Uh, obviously, the A's have a bit of a guy that they should really be using there in SD Ruiz. Uh, and so he probably should be the, the one hitter. And then the two guy probably, I, in my opinion, should be the best hitter in your lineup. And I think Zach Galop will be that guy when it comes to the future. But when you look at three, they got Nathaniel Lowe hitting three. And he, when you really counter in a lot of things, I he's probably the fourth, fifth 
sixth best hitter in that lineup. If you want to talk about Adolis, Jonah Heim, Ezekiel Duran, Leody Tavares, guys like that. And I think Ryan Noda. Ryan Noda is a guy who fits in there. Or a guy like Jacob Wilson, once he ends up getting up to the big leagues. A guy who you trust in situations, who's been an experienced hitter, can get on base for you. And then you have your four hitter, Adolis Garcia for the Rangers. And hopefully Tyler Soderstrom or a guy like Lawrence Butler, Denzel Clark, who has a ton of power in the four spot and can knock those guys home. Uh, so I, li- I like Noda. I like his ability to walk. I think he's going to be a lot better as, as the years go on because he is, I mean, he's only 27 years old when in the grand scheme of things. He's going to be hopefully an A for another four to five years because with his service time, he's a rookie. Uh, so I like Noda. I like Jacob Wilson. And then the other guys like Kernais and, and stuff like that can really factor into this as well, too. Great take on the the new generation of three-hitter. I like that one. Thank, thank you, Skyler. Mm. I appreciate that. It's not just going to be A-Rod hitting fucking third all the damn time. <laughs> Big Poppy, actually, he probably hit fourth more often now. Probably but, uh, more often. Let's move into where's your hat at. Well, nice little A's talk there. Maybe yeah. we'll do that in a couple weeks again or maybe next week. Who knows? Uh, like. Let's move into player, pitcher, rookie of the week, Skyler. It was a, this was a, a good week when you look at the names of the guys who would have a good week, Skyler. Who did you go with for your rookie of the week? Uh, it, it's going to be Davis Schneider from Toronto here, the infielder. A 579 on base in 17 plate appearances, two homers. You look up Toronto in the standings, they're right there. Number two wildcard team. Uh, you know, a lot of help from this guy this week. Yeah, my rookie of the week, I went with Gavin Williams, who had a 12K start uh, just a couple days ago. I actually think yesterday, seven innings, one hit, no runs, 12 strikeouts, probably a career high for for that. He's came up and posted an ERA under three to this point to start his career. So Gavin Williams has been a great starting pitcher for the Guardians and probably going to be that way for quite a while. Moving on to pitcher of the week, Skyler, who'd you go with here? Uh, so Framber counts, right? I know it was on Tuesday. I, I didn't count him, but I put him as like an asterisk. Okay. For whatever reason, it wasn't showing up last seven days on MLB.com. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, I do have Framber. Let's just mention it. He no hit Cleveland, the, the mm. sorry guardians and, um, amazing week from him. I guess, you know, since he might not really count. How about Cole Reagans of Kansas City? 19 strikeouts and two starts this week. Uh, he only gave up one earned run. 0.7 ERA for the, the struggling uh, Royals, man. Respect. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, also went with Cole Reagans. So, of Thank course, you. Framber's in there as well, too. For whatever reason, I don't know why it wasn't showing up on MLB.com's thing, but shout out Framber for throwing a no-no. Uh, it seems like the most casual no-no of all time because it's just – just kind of happened, uh, and I feel like it's not really getting a ton of national attention. Uh, but Cole Reagans, yeah, 12 and two-thirds innings, only 11 hits in those uh, 12 and two-thirds, only one run, and 19 strikeouts uh, is pretty damn good. A pretty yeah. immediate return for the Royals uh, after trading away Roldis Chapman and him being part of the return. So Cole Reagans, former top prospect, getting it done for the Royals. Moving on to player of the week, Skyler, who do you go with here? Again, it's going to be Framber for the no-hitter, but let's mention Zach Galoff, too. Why not, man? Uh, he hit over 300, a couple bombs, and was running all over the place for the A's this week. Yeah. 
Yeah, my player of the week would be Framber. However, it's not going to be Framber because I wanted to go with somebody else. So I wanted to go with another rookie who's not named Zach Galoff. I went with three rookies for all these things. So I guess they all could have been rookie of the week. I just wanted to spread it out and make it more interesting. How can you not go with David Schneider, man? This dude is built like Spencer Strider, but he hits nukes. Both of them over the green monster. One of them in his first career at bat with the Blue Jays. Nine for 17 total on the week. Two homers and five RBIs. How about this dude? Coming out of nowhere and hitting Vulcan tanks for the Blue Jays up yeah. in Boston over the weekend. Uh, Gavin Williams close to the Tyler Gilbert Award, but we haven't had a Tyler Gilbert Award winner whoa, since. Uh, whoa. I think since then. Tyler Gilbert Award winner? What is that? All the random three no-no? in the same week. Oh, oh, yeah. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's going to do it, though, for player pitcher rookie. We get to the main course here. The contender tier list, Skyler. We'll start oh, yeah. off with the teams uh, who are, are not going to fall into any of these tiers. Yeah. I had Detroit. I no, just White uh, put in the teams I thought would be, you know, still in the playoff race. Gotcha. Yeah. Like, so I'll, I'll just say yeah, the yeah. teams who I didn't list at all. So probably the same teams that you have here. Uh, so Detroit. The White Sox are pretty much out at this point. Kansas City, Oakland, we both know that they're done. I didn't list the Mets because they're way out. The Nationals, obviously down at the bottom. Uh, Pittsburgh and St. Louis, two teams who, one who we started off well and one who we thought would be in this spot, but it's now at the bottom. And then Colorado, who is obviously out of it. So we have five tiers, though, besides that. Is that Gale? Uh, oh, no. I thought he almost hit a double, but... Uh, <laughs> Let's start it off with probably the best tier in the entire thing, the fuck no tier. Uh, I have three teams, Skylar. How many do you have here? Seven. Gotcha. I'll let you go ahead and get started on on your seven, uh, and then we'll get back to my three. Okay. Uh, We'll start with the Angels. Did you have the Angels? No comment. Oh, okay, okay. I'll I'll let you say your seven and and explain why you put them there, uh, and then I'll, I'll get into my three. I got you. Trout's hurt. I I don't buy it. Sorry, guys. You, I, they tried, but it's just not enough. Milwaukee, same thing. I, I you can't trust that lineup in the playoffs. That's it's crazy to think so. Uh, same with Cincinnati. I just think they're they're not quite there yet. Uh, Seattle, <laughs> come on, it's Seattle. Uh, Boston again. They don't have the pitching. You could say the same thing for the Yankees, who've also been banged up. And Minnesota is very interesting, but they're just not as good as some of the others in the American League. Yeah. Starting off, uh, the three teams of my fuck no tier. Number one is going to be Arizona, who I was a big fan of early, but now that Zach Allen's the only guy that they can trust in this rotation, I'm not buying it. Negative run differential now at this point. Only a game over 500. Lineups cooled down. Uh, I think it's a fuck down for Arizona. Next one is Cleveland. Cleveland was a team that I was high on early in the year, I think. Now at this point, I just don't think this team has a lineup to even be a triple-A team consistently. Uh, they could they could shut, shut them out, but if they're using their pitchers, then it, it's going to be rough. So Cleveland's in the fuck no tier. And surprisingly, the Yankees are in my fuck no tier because they cannot hit for shit as well. Uh, I don't trust Jake Bowers, Billy McKinney, and Frenchie Cordero hitting in a postseason lineup altogether. Uh, and I definitely do not trust Carlos Rodon taking the ball for me in a game three right now. So uh, the Yankees round out my fuck no tier. 
Moving on to the next one where I have six teams in it, and that is the Perfect Storm tier. We've seen this happen a few times in the last, I don't know, 10 to 20 years, most notably probably the 2019 Nationals who were the wildcard team and end up winning it all. Who are the teams in your Perfect Storm tier? I still got Arizona in the Perfect Storm tier here. I think it's possible if they get a good draw in the playoffs and maybe a team like the Dodgers gets knocked out early. Uh, also have Toronto here. I don't know how much I can trust them, but man, that is a deep roster. The Giants, kind of the opposite. They just have a lot of value and some good pitching. Uh, again, it's possible. We've seen them do it before, but it has to be the perfect scenario. San Diego, that's just the long shot right there, man. Uh, they didn't sell, so anything's possible, but they don't look great. And Miami, who I know you were very high on not too long ago, um, Again, I, I can't trust that lineup, like you were saying earlier. So those are going to be the five teams that need the perfect scenario. Yeah. I have six teams in the, my list here, starting off uh, with the leader of the AL Central, and that is going to be the Minnesota Twins. They are currently sitting at 60 and 55, so they're a division leader. However, their team is not equivalent of what a division leader should look like. So The perfect storm means that they are already going to be at a point where they are into a division series. They don't have to worry about, you know, making the playoffs most likely because Cleveland's fallen off a little bit and they've been playing some decent baseball as of late. So the perfect storm is there, but the team is just not there. Next up is Seattle, who I have a two and a half out of a wild card spot. They're 60 and 52 on a five-game win streak right now, so they've been playing well, but their lineup, again, is a, is a team that just hasn't gotten it done offensively when you look at the years in the past and what we kind of expected them going into this year. Pitching staff is the reason why they still have a chance, though. They have, you know, the George Kirby, Logan Gilbert, Luis Castillo trio that can really get you into a playoff series and into a spot where you can advance but I think it's just going to be really tough uh, trying to score runs against pitching staffs that are probably equally around that, that quality. They're Next up is bat. the angels. Sorry. Yeah. Next up is the angels. They kind of shot themselves in the foot with this seven game losing streak, but they have Shohei Otani. So perfect storm. If you could pitch every day and hit in every single spot in the lineup, perfect storm. Next up is Cincinnati where they have that kind of electricity type feel to them. But when you look at the talent on the team and the guys that they have, it's really not going to happen. So uh, Cincinnati is in my perfect storm tier. The Cubs, another type of team that, hey, this team's got the energy. Wrigley Field is going to be really tough to play at if they get into the postseason. But as of right now, they're probably going to be a team who's outside of the playing at home once it comes to October and having home series. So. Sorry, Cubs. I don't think you guys got the talent for it either. And then the Giants. Giants are really good all around, but they're just, they don't have the guy that really can put them on their back right now. Uh, I know Jock has had some great Octobers in the past, but I just don't think he's going to be the guy to do it. And that's, it'll be exciting though. The Giants on the perfect storm type tier. Next up, uh, the it could happen here. They're not the real deal contenders, but a little bit more than the perfect storm. I have seven teams in this list together. How many do you have? And tell me why you put them there. Only have two teams here. The first team here and the it could happen pool is going to be the Phillies. They made it last year. They have a, a pretty much the same 
roster. Just adding Trey Turner has been struggling, but you know, they got his back. Uh, if everything goes right, they will go to the world series. That's where I think things are different from the, the perfect scenario category, because if everything goes right with Arizona, they're still going to get smacked by the Dodgers, you know? Um, Philly just feels a little different. Also Texas. Uh, they went out, they got the arms. They've been pretty good so far. Um, like you said, man, the lineup one through nine, uh, we're watching it right now. Anybody can get an extra base hit. They're pretty scary, but I'm not completely sold yet. First team for me in the, it could happen tier is going to be the Rays. Uh, and because of Shane McClanahan's injury and them kind of lacking an ace right now, the Rays have fallen off a bit for me. The Orioles have taken over that division, and the Rays just don't look like the real deal as much to me when you look at how they've played over the last 50 to 60 games. Next up is Toronto. Toronto's got a squad, and we've seen 2015, 2016 that time that it can be really tough to play in the Rogers Center as an away team. And if Toronto gets the the starting pitching that they were hoping for going into the season, things can really happen for them. So again, that it could happen tier, but it's going to be tough if you're playing from the sixth seed. Next up is Boston. Boston's out of a playoff spot right now by five games, but I absolutely love the energy that this roster brings for them. Starting off with a lot of guys with Tristan Cassis and Rappy Devers, Jaron Duran, they all fit that Boston vibe. Uh, and Boston, I mean, their lineup when they're going is really, really tough to stop. Only thing that's stopping them is their pitching staff. So there. Uh, next up is Philly. I almost had Philly in the real deal category. However, it's going to be really tough to do it when you're not a top four seed and at least playing that first wild card series at home. Or, or getting a bye if you're the top two seed. Don't think they're winning the division with how good the Braves have been. Uh, and as of right now, they're a half game behind the Giants for that number four spot. But the team itself can really get it done. Next up is Miami. I love Miami's pitching staff. And I think uh, when you look at their pitching staff, it's up to par with those teams that can make those Cinderella runs like the Washington, Washington Nationals in 2019. I mm-hmm. like what they did at the deadline, bringing in Berger and Bell. But then again, they don't score a lot of runs in, in total. So it could happen. Just not you know, likely. I think there's a higher chance that Miami goes on the crazy Giants run than the Giants actually do. Because <laughs> they, yeah. they got the, the arms that the Giants are looking for. Yeah. Next up in my it could happen tier is going to be the Brewers, who are currently winning the Central. So that helps out. You're going to, if you win the division, you're going to be playing that first series at home in the wild card. And I like what they did at the deadline, bringing in Canna. Sal Freelick has been an absolute boost of energy to this team. It kind of felt dead, but decent uh, for the first half of the year. Christian Yelich's resurgence has been absolutely electric to watch. And a guy like Willie Adam who can heat up and provide a lot of energy to a team is something that can make stuff happen. Of course, they got the great, you know, one, two, three trio in the, in the rotation, especially if Woodruff coming back. Uh, so it could happen. They got the pieces. They just need it to get going. (laughs) Stop. Uh, And the last team that I have is the Padres. It could happen if they make the playoffs. That's about it. I think the team, if they make the playoffs, Blake Snell, you Darvish at the top of your rotation, pretty solid guys. We know they have the stars in the lineup as well, too. They can get it done. 
they make the playoffs, it definitely can happen. Obviously, it won't at all if they can't. Moving on to the second to last tier, the real deal. Skyler, I had four teams in here. How many do you have? I have two. Just two, both from the AL East. I got the Tampa Bay Rays and the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, this was before Baltimore just had that crazy, crazy game with Houston. But uh, but I still think they're they're going to be in the second tier instead of the favorite tier. Uh, very similar teams. They, we know they're both not perfect, but it's it's a great strategy. You know, lots of young guys, lots of arms. You know, Tampa Bay losing McClanahan, it sucks, dude. But they still got four dudes better than what Baltimore has. So I have Tampa Bay slightly ahead, but they're not the favorites in my opinion. They're too young. Yeah. First up in my real deal tier, I'll actually list them from the back. I think I ranked these these teams on how, how I felt about them as well. So coming in at the four spot in the real deal category is going to be the Orioles. I love this lineup. I love their bullpen, but the starting rotation is a thing that's going to be really tough to get you wins in the postseason. And I think when you only get four or five innings from your starter and playoff start, and you're relying on so many innings from your relievers, it's going to be really tough to do that consistently and get wins in those games. Uh, but the lineup, I mean, they have the best record in the AL as of right now. It's very, very fun. I think this team can definitely win a world series at some point with, uh, you know, Adley Rutschman and the guys that they have on the roster now. And it could happen this year. They just need things to go their way. Next up in the real deal category is going to be the Rangers. Sitting at 67-46, they got you Darvish, Jordan Montgomery at the deadline. If Eovaldi comes back healthy, they got the starting rotation for it. Their lineup we know is there. The bullpen is the only thing that's a little sketchy compared to some of these other teams at the top. But the addition of a role Chapman over this past month is definitely huge uh, when it comes to that. Next up, I have the Dodgers. We know this team's always going to be around there. They acquired four shitty guys at the deadline, and they've all been amazing since they've acquired them, which is just the most Dodgers thing ever. Uh, They have the rotation. They have the bullpen. They have the position players. So they have the team to do it. But it seems like the Dodgers always fail to get the job done. So I don't have them in my favorite tier. Uh, And then the last team in the real deal, I have Houston. We know how good this team is. They've won it three times or twice over the last six years. And they could win it a third time. They got the rotation. They got the back of the bullpen. And they got the studs in the lineup and a lot of experience as well, too. Uh, so the Houston Astros. Last time I got in my real deal tier. And the final tier of the tier list. Of course, it's got to be the favorite or favorites. Skyler, who do you have in here? Yeah, so I have three teams. I got the extra in here. The extra team is going to be the Dodgers. Um, I don't necessarily think they're... They're more of a favorite over Atlanta, but they're still nuts. Like they've been taking random guys off the street. It seems like guys with negative wars and turning them into great players. Not we talked about Nick Allen being above replacement level. The Dodgers are turning these guys into great hitters again, and it's scary. If everyone stays healthy and uh, you know Urias can actually be trusted for another playoff start, absolutely they should be favorites. But let's get into the real deal here. The top two, my. American League winner, it's going to be Houston. They're they're catching fire at the perfect time right now. It always seems to happen, man. Pena's on fire. Tucker's on fire. Altuve's back. The pitching staff is ridiculous. They just threw a no-hitter last week. And then we got Burtlander coming back. As an A's fan, it is nauseating, but you have to respect it at the same time. It's tough. Uh, and obviously Atlanta is, is going to be at the top of the favorites here. 
Um, I mean, to start off the lineup with Acuna, one of the best hitters. I mean, uh, let's just call him number two behind Shohei. Fuck it. Um, he's hitting 340, and you can't throw him out on base. You got so many guys. It makes it able for – I'm sorry, I'm going crazy here. Let me settle down. <laughs> uh, let me calm down a little bit. It's, just, it's such a nutty lineup, dude. Uh, the fact that Matt Olson can sit back and turn into Adam Dunn for the rest of the year because he doesn't have to worry about hitting 300 like he did in Oakland is just it's got to be so relieving for him. Even Albies too, probably the best second baseman in the league is hitting what sixth or seventh sometimes for him. It's crazy. Yeah, uh, uh, I have one team in my favorite category, and that's going to be the Braves. Their team OPS is 840 which is ridiculous. That's 37 points higher than any team in the big leagues. And we thought the Rangers were good. We thought the Rangers were good. Yeah. (laughs) 840 OPS, way higher than the Rangers is what the Braves have right now. Keep in mind, the A's are 2-1 against this team this year. So there is that to point out. But the Braves, man, they're just... Their lineup is going to be unstoppable once we get to the postseason. The only thing that, that is kind of sketchy is that you know, three starter spot, I would say. I think Strider and Freed are pretty solid guys, but you're going to have to find somebody to step up in that three spot. And the bullpen is solid, but it's not top, top tier when you look at some of the other teams in the big league, such as the Orioles, who have, you know, pretty pretty solid end at the back there. But, uh, I mean, the Braves are as good as we've seen any team be in the last probably 15, 20 years when it comes to regular season baseball. We'll see if they can translate that into the postseason and have a good October like they did in 2021, or if it you know, just kind of turns into nothing like it did in last year's playoffs against the Phillies. But the Atlanta Braves, my favorite and one of Skyler's three favorites, that, contain, or that concludes the tier list. Skyler, tell me about yeah. the second half and what you got here. Well, I just want to say before we go to the second half, it may be unorthodox to go with three, but I just feel like for baseball specifically, uh, you know, one pitch changes everything. Yeah. So I, I, I felt like those other two teams deserve to be in there too. Um, but yeah, that's, there it is, man. Uh, let's move on to the second half. There's one first, first baseball note I want to talk about. If anyone uh, remembers the old days of, uh, of halftime. We'd have like seven of the craziest things that happened that like were unrelated to any storyline. So uh, here's something. Reds rookie pitcher, Lion Richardson. He allows two home runs on his first two major league pitches. Back-to-back homers by C.J. Abrams, by the way, who has like 18 power and will be the show. And Lane Thomas, who's awesome. Um, But uh, yeah, this, this this is insane. First time since 1999, anything like this has happened. Um, but Hey, you know, Cincinnati has to be average somewhere. And I guess, uh, four or five starters going to be where it is. It's below average at the four or five starter spot. It is. It's terrible. But the guys, it's, it's him and yes. Luke Weaver right Thank now. You. So Luke Weaver, man, respect. No, uh, not respect. It's terrible. All right. Let, let's get into the real news now. Okay. Uh, so the pack 12 is now the pack four. Yeah. On last week, Wednesday night, uh, the terrible media deal with the Pac-12 and Apple TV completely fell apart because Rutgers and Kansas were making more money than Oregon, uh, and that can't happen. 
So uh, last week we talked about Arizona possibly be interested in joining the Big 12. They did it. They went ahead and did it officially on Wednesday. And then Wednesday night, right after, Arizona State and Utah joined them as well. That, you know, confirms all the rumors were true. So that left Oregon and Washington, the big dogs. What were they to do with only six teams left in their conference? Well, they left and went to the Big Ten. That's going to be the number two conference in college football. Uh, when everything gets settled in with the 12 team playoff, it'll be the SEC and the Big Ten. Uh, so good on them, man. You know, it's going to be some tough traveling, some games in New Jersey on a, you know, a 6 a.m. on the West Coast can be tough. But that wasn't it. Oregon State and Washington State, they're still in the Pac 12, the Pac 4 now, if you will. Uh, the better of the teams here. There's been rumors that they want to go to the Big 12, but if there's no room for them, if they don't want to wait, it could possibly be the Mountain West instead. It could be a combination, the Pac West, if you will. Uh, (laughs) After that, we got Cal and Stanford. Uh, Lots of rumors with those two, ACC, American, Big 10, Big 12, Independent. Uh, I think Cal is going to SEC, SEC. All right, I'll start with Stanford. Uh, Stanford, they really want the big conferences because they can do it. They have the academics. They, they're great in the Olympic sports, which they also sell money to. It's just not as much as football. But I could definitely see a possible Big Ten in three, four years from now. Other than that, they may just stay put. Uh, Cal is a little different because their sports aren't very good, but their academics are ridiculous and their swimming and uh, and track is ridiculous. So they could go independent and just go back, you know, play Notre Dame every week, <laughs> Notre Dame and New Mexico, every other. And uh, there's, there's one more team here. I want to talk about San Diego state. Uh, it's the only one of the mountain West with any rumors. And the rumor with them is actually not the PAC 12. It's the big 12. The big 12 is currently going after San Diego state, Gonzaga and Yukon for basketball. So that's we're not quite in college basketball mode. You may not ever be in that mode, but it's just yeah. it, it's it's really interesting to think about it. You know, they do understand it's not all about the college football. It could be about all of it. Uh, but, you know, the pack dissolves like many think it could. Um, then San Diego obviously wouldn't be sticking around in the Mountain West. They'd be leaving. Uh, so that's my my college football takes for now. Question for you, Skyler. Yeah, yes, sir. Do you think the Pac-12 in some capacity still is a thing in a couple of years? Or do you think all the teams are gone, no team joins, and it's, it's just a thing of the past? I think it's gone by 2026. Uh, the Pac-12 knew what was happening. Uh, last year was their time to go go bring in BYU. Go get um, you know extra Mountain West teams like Boise, Fresno, and San Diego. Go get even Tulane or Cincinnati from the American. But they're... They've all been taken now, and they waited too long trying to please Oregon and Washington, and they left anyways. So they screwed themselves, man. They they didn't go after anybody, and they're not going to make it. Oh, R.I.P. I think uh, we should have a moment of silence for the Pac-12. Absolutely. Rest in peace to the Pac-12, man. <laughs> all right well that's all i got for halftime uh i'm i'm waiting for that uh that nfl season preview man i've been trying to go over some records in my head because that's obviously the next big thing we're headed towards and uh i'm ready for that man but what about september call-ups 
Okay. <laughs> no, that's a that's a thing <laughs> of the past as well too. Maybe we yeah. have to have this moment of science for September call-ups with uh, how they change the roster construction. But uh, yes, still uh, a couple weeks away from that uh, NFL season preview. So hold your horses there, Skyler. Uh, obviously, still two months away from the MLB playoffs preview. Again, probably month and a half away from the NBA season preview. Uh, I, I guess we could say L to the U.S. women's soccer team because they blew it. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't win the ship, you're not shit. So uh, congrats, losers. Uh, moving on to the layups and bold predictions. We didn't do any last week because it just didn't feel right with how many things we were talking about at the trade deadline and how hectic that week episode was. So uh, we'll get into this week's starting off for me. I have Toronto winning on Thursday. That is against the Guardians. That is going to be Noah Syndergaard start versus Alec Manoa. I think Noah Syndergaard pitching bodes really well for the Blue Jays lineup and how they like to swing the bat. Uh, Syndergaard doesn't strike a lot of people out. Manoa has been better as of recent so i think that bodes well for them and i think they're gonna get a win on thursday in cleveland also going with some baseball here with my layup a friday night game san diego is gonna win at arizona that's blake snell versus ryan nelson the padres have been good on fridays because it's usually musgrove or snell and there's a reason those two have been lights out so uh let's say not necessarily getting back on the right track but uh win a game they're supposed to yeah Bull predictions. I have the Braves putting the dagger in the 2023 Mets with sweeping them at home in a four-game series in Queens over the weekend. That's that's respect, man. But I'm gonna go with the uh, with a little player prop here. Aaron Judge hasn't homered in ten days on Friday at Miami. That's a Lazardo start. He's gonna homer. No, He's finally get against, one against Lazardo. No. Against the oh, no, against of course Puck? He's going home oh. in the first inning, dude. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I'm not you adding that Chicago to the Carlo goes though. yard? Uh, no. Not in Miami? No. Dude, he won an MVP in Miami. Oh, I'm aware. Yeah, but but he used to homer a lot in Miami. Yeah, but his sprint speed has dropped from 56 <laughs> to 1. You mean the jog speed? <laughs> <laughs> that was a crazy clip. You see yeah. that one? Yeah. Oh, we forgot to mention the fight. Yeah. <laughs> J-Ram Tim Anderson. Go ahead, yeah, man. Yeah, how about that, man? I guess we completely forgot to put that in our, like, opener or something like that. But, uh, yeah, shout out J-Ram for being the shit. Uh, Tim Anderson, that was pretty crazy. Big J-Ram guy. Always been oh, yeah. on that, that yeah. Gucciani up type beat. Uh, and shout out Ramon Laureano going to Cleveland and getting, I guess, technically the game-winning hit, even though it was only the second inning of uh, his debut game in Cleveland today. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, we always knew J-Ram was a badass, but that was pretty sick. I don't necessarily dislike Tim Anderson either. Uh, you know, a little, little divisional rivalry. Got a little too heated, you know. Yeah. What a fun right. episode. Yeah. A little quick one, too, I'd say. But that's going to do it for episode 140, or not 40, 152. 152. We'll see you next week, 153. 
I don't even know what we're going to talk about next week, but we'll figure that out, and we'll see you there. Go Jets. Go A's, baby. Go A's.